Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast, episode seven, with my friend Singapore Ram. Ram is an old university buddy of mine that left for Singapore for a three-year tour, and he's still there 10 years later. Uncle Polly also joins us for a little bit. In this episode, we talk about how the pandemic is affecting Singapore and a snapshot of what life is like on the island city-state. So, without further ado, I give you episode seven with Singapore Ram. Thanks for listening. Like I should get outside the house, you know. No, so, so, so I got also, some buddies in the neighborhood. You're social distancing uh, over there. Yeah, so we hang out and we go to someone's backyard. We uh, get together and we uh, we all sit six feet apart and we uh, hang out and drink. We're watching a little bit of the uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. Nice, nice. And we're uh, and we're just hanging out. How you doing, buddy? Let's go in there. Let's get in there. Let's get in there. Uh, we are. Our, our uh, lockdown period, our circuit breaker got extended a whole new month. There's been a, there's been a huge increase in cases due to the foreign workers in the dormitory. So they just started spiking up and then we just had our, our first lockdown. And then it got extended for a whole new month. So childcare is closed. Everything else is closed. The exception mm-hmm. of essential services. So it's kind of like we're kind of in the same boat as you guys. Yeah. But I think that we have like a better, uh, a better grasp on everything that's going on. Didn't you say that they were wiping down the buildings like twice a day? No, they used to, but now all the foreign workers are getting isolated <laughs> because of the dormitories. It's like, it's like there's been a huge spike. If you, if you think about it, it's been around uh, 14,000 people. A majority of it, at least 70 to 80% of that is all foreign workers who have been staying in the cramped dormitories and it just like skyrocketed through there. <laughs> hey, they're the, they're the people that uh, you know constructed everything. <laughs> Did all the buildings, really, really relying them on uh, uh, just general sanitation, but it's majority like the, the cleaners and the construction and everyone that's coming up from Bangladesh and et cetera. All right, so let's kick this off. What's your brown for today? What are you rocking there? What are you, what are you, what are you enjoying for this conversation? I'm drinking a Stolen Boat Summer Ale. It's from a local brewery called Trouble Brewing. Singapore local? Yeah, Singapore local. It's a, it's a local, local brewery here. It's better than just the regular Tigers, Carlsbergs, um, Heinekens, and all those other stuff, like Chang. I need to get some proper beer. Right now, it's just way too early to be drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah, understood. Time changes are tough like that. Yeah, the drinking culture is not really pervasive in Singapore for the locals, so it's mostly like an expat thing. And like right now, some of my, uh, some of my friends, uh, one of my expat friends, he's, he's saying too, he's like, how are you able to how are you able to drink at like you know twelve thirty? I'm like it's not in my marriage contract. I'm like wait you don't have like a pandemic clause or something? <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> times cause for extraordinary measures. <laughs> but it's nice. I mean, but the thing is too, it's that you know one beer becomes a slippery slope, especially when it starts at noon. <laughs> what about you, Paula? You Browning tonight? Well, I got a Modelo Negra. Two weeks ago, we had the same thing with my buddies where we all got together and I brought over my half a handle of Fireball and half a bottle of McKellen with scotch or, uh, and, and uh, 
we killed both of those. I don't remember the end of the night. We killed both of them. So I'm all out of all that. So when I came over here, I took one of water bottles and I guess I would call it a white Russian. I put vodka and Kahlua and Bailey's and a little bit of milk. That's very dude. Wow. Mostly vodka. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. But it's pretty good. Give me a breakdown of Singapore. It is, it is an island. But is the yes. entire island one big city? Yes, it's a city state. It is about, you, you, could, you, you could go one side of the island to the other side of the island in 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic. By car? Yes, it is tiny. It's about 6 million people. Half of it, it's, uh, half of it is foreigners, like uh, permanent residents and uh, yeah, permanent residents and foreign workers. So it's only about like 3 million local, 3 to 4 million local, local Singaporeans. So it has a huge, huge percentage of foreigners living here. And, and a big uh, disparity between the haves and have nots, right? Yes, we have uh, what was like one in every 10 people are millionaires. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of really, really wealthy and then a lot of really, really, really uh, poor, really yeah. poor people that are brought in to basically take care of the really wealthy. Serve the rich people. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of helpers, like domestic uh, uh, maids and helpers. They come in from like surrounding Southeast Asia countries, from like Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Malaysia. And they all come in and like they're really cheap too it's like 600 singapore dollars a month for salary which boils down to about 400 450 usd a month for a living helper for yeah. for 24 7 help basically yeah 24 7 help 24 7 whatever you need done yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no but the thing is too is that we do allow them to obviously to sleep and everything so they still get uh <laughs> so they, they they get eight hours off a day or six hours yeah <laughs> eight hours, eight hours, eight hours. But they're effectively considered an extra member of the family. Yes, they take care of everything. There's there there's some there's some people who have like two or three helpers. That's like really flaunting financial status. Like they'll like live in their own landed house. They'll have like two helpers and a nanny. Like I I, I knew this one expat that were living over at Orchard Road. They had two nannies and a helper taking care of like their three kids and now they move back to Belgium. So now they're like, they, they don't have any help whatsoever. So it's like, it's good when I was here, but now they decided to move back. Yeah. Sounds like good living. <laughs> What's the new job? I haven't, I haven't talked to you since you uh, got, got the new job. It's good. It's uh, I'm a, I'm a financial a business partner for the partner alliances vision of an open source company. So it's like right now it's just uh, developing and trying to grow the partner ecosystem. And it's a pretty good company. I mean, it's, it's, Recently acquired. Yeah, but you were you were doing finance, right? So now you're finance yes. software company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, still finance. Still, still in the IT industry. Okay, but you were doing routers and networking equipment before, right? Routers, yeah, but now it's more of hybrid, hybrid cloud, uh, edge computing, Kubernetes, everything driving like the IT infrastructure. The whole migration over from on premise and onto the digital clouds. Is it a big change for you? It's, it's a different work culture. It's a different world culture because the hierarchy is just definitely not there. It's more organic. There's there's a lot of potential because even though the even though the pandemic impacted a lot of companies, you know, negatively, it actually did. It actually is an accelerator towards uh, optimizing IT and over to the hybrid cloud. So you see definitely that pull into it. Like say for instance, uh, just look how it accelerated uh, video conferencing with yep. Zoom and everyone's everyone's using it. Same thing as e-commerce, you know, such social networking. So all of those are all huge accelerators from it. It just happened to be impacting everything that was more traditionally based with oil and like with aviation and 
uh, travel of it. Yeah, so you're looking at an adoption of technology that was a lot faster than you thought it would. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. It's a huge accelerator, so we'll see. It's still, it's still a certainty, like an unknown. The government is actually, yeah, yeah the government in Singapore is actually really propping up, um, it's really helping out a lot of, uh, a lot of companies. Uh, we also have like our own little kind of bailout package too. Well, it's a good time to be in tech all around, I guess. Yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad. So I know that there's the Singapore dollar, but do you have a national language? English. English, okay. makes it a global city. <laughs> I, know there, I, know there's yeah. a lot of, I know there's a lot of Chinese influence too. Yes, uh, Malaysian, Chinese, uh, Indonesian. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge mixing ground. It's a huge breed of mixing ground. And the good thing is that in the in the constitution, it's really primarily uh, reinforced racial harmony. Everyone needs to kind of get along. And if there's one thing that's being offensive against one one ethnicity, the government will kind of crack down on it. It's really really interesting. It's like the like 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 all the politicians that cannot speak badly of any other race or anything like that or else well you don't hear too much about singapore in the news it seems to be the the financial hub and it just seems to be this all-around interesting place whereas oh, too Kong's bad you couldn't got... come over this yeah i was excited about that trip too in fact it would have been last week no, we would no. have been hanging out i'm supposed to be on a beach in mexico right now <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I don't think when when do you think that when do you think travel is actually going to start opening up again? The official pandemic lockdown in Arizona was lifted yesterday. Oh, I th- I think they'll open up uh, like Mexico and some other stuff probably in June, but I'm I don't know if they're going to shut it down again like come end of October, November when the flu season kicks back up. At this point, I think people are breaking quarantine because they just can't handle it. I I went to my office for the first time in a week just because I needed to pick up some checks and some mail and drop off some stuff for my uh, office manager because I've been I haven't been going in the parking lot was was not full but like two-thirds full and there was like some traffic on the road it was the first time I had left the house in a week there's there's definitely people that are getting out my company's been uh working from home since February and uh so it's been on the verge of what what is this like three months already and I uh, like on my first day I could even go to the office. I have yet to go to the office. I don't know. I've the only time I've been to the to the office is during <laughs> my interviews. <laughs> Everything's been remote. Everything's been remote. I don't even know what my office looks like or anything outside of the building. And before it was a hard lockdown, there was reports that okay, well, like uh, some person got reported coming into the building that tested positive, like twice already. So then they finally had to like lock it down. Uh, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's like my only my, my only interactions with my colleagues have been all virtual. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Although I was working remote before, so all of my interactions were oh really were over video conference. Yeah, so I I've, I've been working remote. But you did a lot of travel. Now all the travel's just gone. So the travel got cut. Yeah, my last business trip was at the end of February, uh, and I haven't traveled, and I probably won't travel. There's a possibility I might drive back to California, but I think travel internationally is done for the year. And that's yeah. just budget cuts. You know, everybody's down, but uh, my industry and my day job is falling in with everybody else. It's like everything's done. There's been there's been cost cuts across the board. Marketing budgets have been slashed. Like everything is marketing is always the first one to go. That's the way it is. You know, the challenge is to continue to try and provide value even as a marketing professional without a budget. The good part about that is you now have so many avenues that you can go after that are not cost structures, and it's mostly social media. But, you know, email was always free. Skype is free. Join me is free. So there are opportunities to get out there and get in front of people. YouTube's free. 
So all of these avenues now that you have as a marketer don't really cost anything. So you don't have to worry about whether or not you're providing value. I think the challenge on the back end is content. Well, content is tough. It seems like there's more of a problem with analytics. Like how do you, how do you measure pull through unless you have set up a system where they can purchase something online, then you can track the click from the content to the website, to the shopping cart, to the purchase. Whereas before you got to leave from a magazine. That was what they said when they bought it. Boom, you knew the magazine ad worked. You got to find a way to reach people in other areas that you wouldn't normally have exposure to. And that takes some very sophisticated social media knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough. And, and yeah, marketing is one of the first ones that gets cut. Travel is always the first thing to get cut. Uh, and then they start doing deeper seated cuts in areas that are for development. Uh, IT usually gets cut. Whatever, whatever doesn't capture revenue and deliver a product or service usually ends up getting cut uh, and you got to sacrifice the future to save the present. So it's, it's tough. Right? <laughs> but I think this might be actually be the first year that I do not fly anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's going to, that's going to continue. You will get tourism back because people want to go places, but business travel is definitely going to take a hit. Casual travel is going to take a hit. If you don't need to be somewhere, and you can accomplish that via video conferencing, yeah, it's very likely that some of the airlines will never recover. So you can't get on a flight at all? Cannot. You can't, you can't uh, leave Singapore at all? You can, but if you come back and you are diagnosed um, positive for COVID-19, you have to pay your whole, uh, your, your whole medical fees out of pocket. Wow. Like no insurance, no, no coverage whatsoever. So uh-huh. really, and the thing is too, now that I'm a PR, I have to get permission to come back inside. I have to get, I have to, I have to send notice. I have to request for Ministry of Manpower, Ministry of Health. Hey, can I come back? Can I fly back? Because if you do not, yeah, people have got their PRs or their residencies taken away, banned from Singapore if you're an employment pass holder. One of my friends, he was on a vacation. I forgot where he was. He, he, he's been away for a while. But he, he was on vacation. He wanted to come back to Singapore. His flight got canceled via SQ. So he's an expat from Belgium. He had the German, uh, the German, he has, he has uh, multiple residencies. So the German government actually uh, was actually able to fly him back to Germany uh, to stay there with his family and everything. But now he still can't get back into Singapore because he's not an essential worker. I thought you, uh, you had an anchor baby now that- Yeah, aren't you? Aren't- Aren't you a citizen by injection now? No, no, no. <laughs> Anchor, baby. <laughs> yeah, but still, it doesn't matter, though. I'm not an essential worker. So, yeah, you could leave, but there's no guarantees I'll be able to come back. Yeah, no, you, I remember you, when you first went over there, you had to be sponsored, and then you've, you've had you've had work for, what, three or four different companies? Three different companies now? Yeah, it's my fourth company. And, and, and then slowly, the government has been uh, restricting the amount of EPs that have been going out. Uh, trying to trying to increase the amount of base pay to give their uh, the local population a fighting chance. So uh, now that I'm on a I'm on a permanent residence, now I'm no longer tied to one company. If you get if you get uh, fired or whatever, you only have 30 days 30 days to find another job, or else you have to like you know vacate the country. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because your whole residency is tied to that employer employer. But now I'm. Uh, yeah, I got a PR card. <laughs> so now it's kind of like, then I have to pay into their, 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 like kind of their social security, which they call CPF. Um, so it's about 17 to 20% gets taken out every month. It goes into that, into that mandatory savings account. And in that mandatory savings account, that is actually where my mortgage gets taken out. And the mandatory savings account is also get matched from the employer. So it's, it's 
pretty good deal. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's some serious government infrastructure. It is, it is, it is, it is. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, even if, 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 I, was, if I was a Singapore citizen, I'll get many more benefits right now due to the due to the country bailout, you know, with the COVID bailout. But now it's like, yeah, they're, they're even giving people like PRs, uh, three hundred Singapore dollars for uh, as as a little help during this impact. And it's like I I don't need it, but hey, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's quite it's quite nice. It's quite nice. It hasn't been credited to my account yet, but it will be this month. <laughs> and I actually think I might be getting a check from Uncle Sam too. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because everyone's getting everyone everyone who filed and everyone is getting the uh, check. Hey, well, I'm I'm gonna jump off and get get back to my buddies over here, but it was good to see you guys. Cheers. Take care, Polly. That was nice to have him join. So you kind of touched on it, but he said uh, he said that guy is crazy rich Asian like the movie. He said that you're, <laughs> you're he said you're in the upper echelon. You have the helpers. You have you have that lifestyle. Do you have a car? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't have a car, but my wife has a car. Um, we, we got a Mercedes, which is about 140 to 150,000. So it's, so it's, it's, if that was 150,000, it's about like 115, 120 USD for a used CLA. Just to get it on the island, right? Well, yeah, because the majority of the cost is for something that's called a COE, a Certificate of Entitlement. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is just a 10-year 10 10 year certificate that just allows you to be able to drive the car. So you don't really own that car at all. Like every, every 10 years, you have to renew it. So every 10 years, you have to buy into the COE, which, which is uh, dependent on the market prices. could be anywhere from 30 to 40 to 50,000. Yeah, so every 10 years, you have to, you have to constantly buy into this thing. So what happens if you let it lapse? Do they take the car away? Uh, then, then I think that there's definitely some fines that will be instituted. Not quite sure how that happens, but then yeah, you, you never want to like. It is it is difficult because you really don't own anything. I mean, even the place that we we purchased right now, our our apartment, it is uh, for ninety nine year lease. After that, the government is gets rights to get it back. So everything that's here is like ninety nine year lease or you're in a high rise, right? Uh actually yeah, we're 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 in a we're in a high rise HDB. It's uh the housing development board. Yeah. We're not living in a condo. A condo has those amenities where it's like a pool, a gym, so we're kind of like in just regular housing right now. Okay. I definitely want to go up into a condo, but those things cost for a small like what thirteen hundred square feet, it's about like one point three, one point five million. Sounds like San Francisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's ridiculous. At least, at least I was, I was talking to my wife about this. I mean, right now would be a great time to be living in the U.S., especially during this pandemic. Not for the fact that you know the healthcare system and everything like that. It's just more for the fact that you guys have backyards. <laughs> we don't have any backyard. We don't have any front yards. It's just like us in our uh, apartment, four-bedroom apartment, but we don't have any luxury items. Yeah, and I can see how that would be a big pain. Yeah, yeah, especially if you have like you know like like a kid who wants to run around, like a toddler wanting to run around. You don't, you can only chase them in and out, in and out between the doors so many times. But so that's something I'm curious to know about. So you're in an apartment, which means you got to take an elevator up and down. You really yes. have no place for them to go other than the hallway. Is there a big lobby or is there a rooftop or is there an area we can go? Well, like he, the, the, there's a small little corridor out on the front. And so it like, you know, I was just playing, uh, playing water with him. He had a big old bucket. He brought his toys and played. And it's fine because no one's really outside of the corridor. There's only uh, three, other, uh, three other apartments just right outside, but we still have a pretty decent corridor. Yeah, it's not too bad. 
but I've been trying to keep in shape by by running up and down the staircases. It's like well, I, I'm staying on the top of the 14th 14th floors, and it's just running up and down, up and down, up and down, trying to trying to trying to stave off the weight. You know, that's a that's a difficult part is trying to uh, how do you how do you how do you uh, how do you forego the COVID 19 pounds. <laughs> It's a lot of body weight exercises and it's a lot of calorie limiting. Yeah, I try to, but you know, when you're drinking, it's like uh, you have to find your vice somewhere, right? <laughs> hey, I run a podcast about drinking. No argument here. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But it is, it is, it's trying to find like a, a work life balance. Yeah, because you're basically living the city life, right? You might as well be in Manhattan or, or any other place where it's concrete, jungle. You have your little yes, domicile yes. and everything else is shared. It was, it, was, it was such an interesting transition moving from Santa Barbara to Singapore, considering the tallest building in Santa Barbara was eight stories tall. Yeah. And now everything is like high rises and now there's palm trees on top of Marina Bay Sands where there's palm trees it's supposed to be a ground floor. Why is it all the way up there at 63rd floor? So I think about that. I think about how we went from the ocean and the sand and having all of this access and being spread out. And what I've said before, we talked about life in California, and uh, I'll give you this theory that out here is, is kind of a, almost a Midwest vibe. You're not house poor. You've got money to burn. No, I don't, I can't afford helpers, which would be awesome. (laughs) But out here, people have toys, right? They've got boats, they've got four by fours, they've got side by sides. They're, they're, they have money to spend. So there is a bit of an active culture out here even though it gets up to you know, 40 degrees centigrade in the summertime, there is still a very active lifestyle and people take things slower. They drive slower. They're, they're naturally slow in terms of getting things done. It's like, we'll get to it. And that to me is uh, completely different from the California culture that I came from. So he refers to it as hustle culture, as in your house poor, you need the money, you got to move all the time. So there's this frantic urgency to earn, to have a side gig, to find some other way to make that money because the pace of life out in California, not being able to afford anything, uh, just creates that frenzy, that, that fever. Do you notice anything like that in Singapore or does the wealth- Singapore is on a whole different level. Yeah. If, you think, as, if you think California has a, uh, I, I could guess, yeah, you guys think about a side hustles and everything, but in Singapore, just the pace of life is faster. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, even when I come back to, uh, when I come back to like San Francisco uh, on family vacations, I'm walking, walking the streets of San Francisco. That that there's no really sense of energy, a buzz. You come to Singapore, you work in the you work in the CBD area, the Central Business District, and you have such an international community, and you just notice that there's a certain vibe, there's a certain energy that is just pulsating through businesses. I mean, we're just a financial, uh, a, a, a hub of growth and energy in the APAC region. And that I don't think is, is even remotely close to, uh, it's definitely leagues above, above um, California, for sure. Yeah, just in terms sure. of activity, right? Uh, just in terms of activity, just, just like, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's very, very interesting when you're working a company, a multinational, corporation a multinational company the true essence of it is that you have you have uh, people from all different uh, uh, all different like nationalities and they're all the month the brightest of the best because if you do not if i mean like 
thankfully I was able to find a job, but it is definitely difficult if you're not if you're not established to even find placement in anything. I mean, because you're you 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 you're going up with the best of the best in, in regards to just trying to get a job just from the APAC community, from from from, from the expat community. So you have some really bright people that are like PhDs, MDs, and looking about trying to grow businesses in a, in a regional hub and just looking at the micro and macroeconomics on a daily basis. It's mind boggling, but it's very inspirational and, and, and insightful. It's being, just being mentored by some of these, uh, some of my previous sales leaders. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Man, speaking about, speaking about, uh, humid heat, humid heat. Oh, yeah, talk man, about that. that was that was my first big culture shock going to Singapore is that getting used to sweating through my clothes and the thing is too is that all my all my dress clothes that I, that I brought over to the US it's different material it's thicker material so it's not just it's it can't necessarily breathe so for my first couple like for my first year or so whenever I would just walk 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes from the from the train station to my office by the time I get to the office I was sweating through I was like I felt so embarrassed because like my whole shirt is drenched through <laughs> I'm like and then I'm like just waiting 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 you know waiting for the for, for the aircon to dry me down yeah. I'm like uh it's just it's just getting used to just being used to sweating but a good thing is that I did lose a lot of weight but Bonus. I rebounded, <laughs> but then I rebounded and now I'm like trying to lose it again. So now it's like, yeah, I, I, I think I lost close to almost 20 pounds, 20 wow. pounds my first two years. And now I'm like, uh, I, I think I'm still net like 10 pounds now. But, but it was funny though, when you're referring to the temperature of the pool and the temperature you're talking about in Fahrenheit, it's like, man, I totally forgot about Fahrenheit. I'm used to now it's like kilograms, new, now it's like, you know, Celsius, but yeah. I mean, when I brought my family over to uh, to the States just the last time, we went over to an outlet in, um, I forgot, somewhere in the East Bay. And it was like 104, 105 degrees dry heat. It was like ridiculous. And I was looking at my at my Apple Watch. It was showing like the temperature was right around like 34, 35 degrees Celsius. I'm like, oh, it's freaking hot. It's freaking hot. But I'm not sure which one's worse, dry heat or humid heat. Now I'm kind of acclimated to humidity. I mean, like, ideally, ideally, I want to move back to, it's just that right now, I mean, everything's kind of safe in Singapore. Uh, the, the schooling system is safe. Yeah, everything is safe. Well, it's like, kind of like after that, it's like, what, what year do I want to bring my family back there? Is it for college or for high school? Or it's, it's a legitimate question. I mean, stick, stick where you get the best investment return for your family, regardless of what your circumstances are. Uh, the, the public education in Singapore is world class. Yeah. We are definitely the, some of the top in rankings for math, science, um, world, 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 world ranked. But the thing is, too, is that sometimes they teach you the box so well, they forget how to think outside the box. Mm. And, 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 uh, and you got to see that. And you got to see that in the, in the uh, just within daily interactions with, with some people in the office especially from Singaporeans. I mean, they, they're, they're really, really smart, but in terms of thinking outside the box, like how to lead companies, that's where, that's where it gets a little bit more tricky. That's where I think you have the huge influx of uh, a lot of expats that are driving the top positions because they, need to, they know how, how to grow companies. 
strategically and, and, and to think of it just 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 a general knowledge of thinking outside the box. It's like always like instead of <laughs> there, there there's there's this there's this thought process that in schools, you know, you can never really question the teachers. Like the teachers always know it. Versus in college, like like in the education system in the States, you can have dialogues with with the professors respectfully. Mm-hmm. And and so it's kind of like it's that it's that both and forth interaction. <laughs> they don't really they don't really have that in Singapore from what I heard. That seems to be an Eastern thing in general, because I talked to a buddy of mine from Japan who I recorded an episode with earlier today. Um, he talks a lot about the Japanese culture, and in Japan, it's very much recall. Memorize it, recall it, be able to pull up a yeah. fact. The teacher is law. If you don't yeah. question things, you don't ask too many questions. You kind of, you do. Yes. But in terms of the quality of education, the, the student ratio per teacher, like they really do, they really do make the effort. Uh, I, and I, that's, that's something I also notice about working for a Japanese company in my day job is they are phenomenally disciplined about yes. doing the work, task management, keeping themselves busy, not rocking the boat. But the second you ask them to think outside the box or creatively analyze a problem and break it down, and that yeah. could be the nature of the company that I work for, but it seems to be a, a general thing about the cultural divide. So multinationals have that best in class ability to try and take from different areas. I mean, you dropped a couple of European countries, you're from California, which is the fifth large economy in the world. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, definitely yeah. bring in multiple flavors to get the best opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of the, that was one of the more difficult uh, aspects in terms of adjustment to Singapore. My first, my first job, it was, uh, it was kind of difficult because I didn't quite fit in the mold of what they thought, uh, you know, I would be, you know, because I, I think then, then you got like some of the hidden racism, like, uh, uh, peeking out in terms of okay well you know you're asian american uh, but you're asian uh you look filipino but you speak very american and your and your last name's thai it's like how do you you know you're supposed to be subservient you're supposed to not ask questions this and that but then therefore there was a lot of friction upon that and thankfully after that i, I moved over to bigger multinational corporations where i felt a little bit more at home because uh because you know just freedom of thought freedom of expression just freedom of dialogue existed with a uh, with the leadership, so it's, yeah. it's a little better like that. Yeah, but it's just like the first, like the first cultural uh, cultural clash. And I think too, it's like that 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 was like probably the most difficult adjustment period was in my first year to two years, is um, trying to understand who I was deep down, because here I thought, okay, I'm going to Asia. This is going to be a great experience. Uh, let me try to fit into the mold. Let me try to fit in. Let me try to be like, you know, like who I was. But then uh, deep down, even though I was Asian American, I'm American. <laughs> I, 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 I am kind of like the best of both worlds yeah. uh, be, 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 because I'm Asian American. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I bring in like a Western, Western mentality into the conversation. So it's, so it was, I, I think that was, that was one of the, the more defining characteristics is trying to like, try not necessarily, okay, let me try to be something I'm not and really understanding who I am. And I think like that, what that really like came in, it's like once I actually understood and grasped that portion, then I like became more comfortable. That's, that's quite a journey. It our, was, it was, it was. Our mutual friend, Troy used to talk about that when he was living in Seoul. He said, um, he said, you know, I'm, I'm Korean. He says, I grew up in Denver. He says, I talk with a Denver accent. He says, I'm a Broncos fan. 
He says, but living in Seoul, he said, I would go into a store, you know, he's, he had tats all over his elbows, you know, he wore a yeah. Boston Red Sox hat. Yeah. Um, he was legitimately about as American as they come, but he was full-blooded yeah. Korean. So he would walk yeah. around uh, to the store, to, to various areas in Seoul where he was shopping around his house. And he said, if I kept my mouth shut, everything was cool. He said, they assumed I was a native they treated me like a native. He said, the looks that I got, the, the body language that I got, he said, everything was totally cool. He said, the second I opened my mouth, the fact that I have an American accent changed everything. He said, because I could pick up a little bit of Korean. He says, I can listen, I can respond. Normally yeah. in, Asian, in Asian cultures, there's a lot of nonverbal communication. So he could nod, he could raise a hand, he could, right. he could gesture in order to have yeah. a conversation. So he could get away with it. He said, but the second I opened my mouth to ask for something, he said, boom, the same people who had been staring at me for 20 minutes flipped on a dime. Mm. And I thought that was, the, that was one of those things about working in an international environment. Um, in, in some ways, it ties us all together because all of us are prejudiced in some way. But yeah, to, yeah. to suggest that, that Americans are, are ignorant and judgmental and we're the only ones. Like you walk into an American company, if you don't have a certain look about you or the right name, like you're going to get, you're going to get discriminated against. There's nothing you can do about it. The irony of going to another country that's supposed to be more civilized or more evolved, you're going to get that shit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have it. You, you, I mean, I, I experience it too. It's very pervasive in, in Singapore. I mean, I see like what, what, what nationalities like make up certain departments. Uh, for my first company, it was IT. So we had a lot of Filipinos work in the warehouse. And I got, and I got privy to information of like current, like some, some salaries. And I see that they were paid ridiculously well. And that's just normal because there was no minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So you, and, and the thing is too, is that, you know, like with Filipinos, they thought, okay, well, this guy, he's like a foreign worker, you know, because a lot of, a lot of helpers are, are, uh, are, are Filipinos. Uh, so therefore, other Filipino is like, oh, so therefore they, they automatically put me on this, on, this certain, on this certain box of what they're thinking was. Mm-hmm. But when I broke the mold from, 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 from just the way I, like, I was talking, my accent, my demeanor, it, it got them out of their comfort zone. Their comfort zone is putting people in boxes. Yeah. I broke that box. And now that made them really uncomfortable. So then they try to force me back in the box. And that's where <laughs> the conflicts came. It's like, no, I refuse to be in this box. You know, I'm so much more than just this little box. I'm across a lot of boxes. I'm in a really big box. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I've seen it too. And it's funny when you, when you speak about Troy is that a lot of my, a lot of my good friends are actually, a majority of them are all expats too. Um, I have uh, two of them, uh, really good friends, that are both Korean. Mm-hmm. One is Korean and German, who lives in, uh, who's from Germany, and another one is Korean, who's from Korea. So it's like I, I, I do know some people that were, that were are locals, but I find myself more comfortable talking to those people that um, are from outside of Singapore. It's just, it's just who I gravitated to because their, their, their mentality and their, their, their mindset is something more more broad than what Singaporeans bring. That's, yeah. just, that's just my thing. That's good. That's a good word, broad. Um, yeah. You know, shared experience is certainly a, uh, a very important thing, but the idea of a, 
a broad sensibility of being willing to accept outside yeah. thoughts or outside influences. That's, that's the hard part about describing to people what it's like working for a multinational or what it sounds like yeah. working in a country yeah. that you weren't born in is yeah, yeah, be yeah. open to the possibility of things being different and different can be scary. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Uh, just trying to figure out where you fit in, where you don't fit in. Trying to find like you know your your circle of friends. It's like being in high school all over again when you're oh. like thirty. <laughs> you know, you figure out like the different cliques, and it's that's the, the, I think that would be like the best analogy of it. Just going back into high school, being the new kid in high school, <laughs> trying to figure out okay, here's my first class. Uh, yeah, and, and the irony is that the stakes are high because that's your job. Yes, 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 yes. That's why. That's why I'm like quite surprised. It's like, I'm you know, quite shocked. It's like my fourth company, but my but my income has grown exponentially from every single one of those moves. So it's good. It's good. It's it's, it's the stakes don't get easier. The stakes get higher and higher. And now that right. I have a family in tow too, now it's like the stakes are even increased higher. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, it speaks to your talent, man, that you're competing in that pool of labor. Yeah, um, it's, it's... A truly global city, and you're a global guy stuck in an environment where the pond may not be that big, but you seem to be swimming really good, man, so good on you. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't imagine life not being like this. It's good times and bad times. And, 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 and talk about, and talk about uh, you know, international community and you know me and my individual uh personality trying to blend into this whole area my in-laws just live a couple blocks away <laughs> so i interact with them a lot too and the thing is is that you know they speak they they speak chinese and like i don't i don't understand what they're saying but you know it's like i'm, I'm perfectly okay with that <laughs> so it's uh it's it's very interesting it's very interesting. It's like we always go over there for like for dinners on Sundays, but now considering uh, we can't anymore, but yep. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, the in just lives like a couple blocks down. <laughs> How many languages you got in your household? Uh, just two. I mean, <laughs> she, she speaks Chinese. She, uh, my, my son is, uh, has two teachers. One is an English teacher, one's a Chinese teacher. Okay, so he's picking uh, them both so, up. Yeah, yeah, so he's picking them both up. Uh, for me, I, I, I took some Thai classes, but then I Yeah, you had a flavor it. for language, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's kind of like, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. It was funny when you mentioned what is the official language of Singapore. There is something called Singlish, which is kind of like Singaporean English. It is very, uh, it's, it's a mix of some, some Malay words or some Malaysian words and some like Chinese words uh -huh. and it's uh just google it it's it, it sounds like a lot of like broken English yeah. and it's yeah and I, I I I refuse to pick it up because I think like my like my English will be ruined because of it but I do understand <laughs> it <It's, laughs> sometimes sometimes I hear my 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 son like saying some English words that I try to correct him like one 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 common thing that he, one one common word is called it's a combination of correct and right so they call it correct <laughs> so i'm like no son that's not correct oh it's correct no 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 it's don't say correct say correct or yeah. right don't yeah so it's those though like just trying to um, yeah and he's going to go to, to school and he's going to learn it from his local friends and before you know it 
I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, there is, there is a lot of. Yeah, it's a, it's an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle, and you have to remember, Singapore was a British colony. So you have British English, uh, not like not American English. So color is no longer C O L O R. It's C O L O U R. Yeah, yeah. So it's those little like those little things. It's like yeah. I want my kids to learn to learn a language. Like around here, it's Spanish. Really, even in Arizona. The irony also is that there's a very large Chinese population here. Really. So it's Spanish primary. But it's also Chinese. If you look it up on your VPN, you can look up an article on what is the number three language in the United States. Chinese. And it's already? a little. It's a chart. It's a. It's a chart that lists languages by state. And what is the number three language in your state? Now I don't remember what Arizona was at the time because I wasn't living here. But yeah. like number three in Wisconsin is German. Number three in California is Tagalog. Makes sense. Makes like sense. Beyond, beyond people who speak English and people who speak Spanish, the largest population of people that speak another language is Tagalog. And most people don't know what that is because they don't realize how many Filipinos live in California. <laughs> but I'm, wow. I'm, curious, the... I'm curious to know what Arizona's number three is now that I mention it. Uh, but it's yep. fascinating out here because you figure out we're so close to Mexico, there is still a very large Mexican influence on things here. There's still streets that are named in Spanish. There's still a lot of yeah. Um, there's a lot of Spanish Mexican uh, cultural heritage here in Phoenix. Yeah. So I think yeah. Spanish is still the strongest language for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm surprised at the amount of schools that teach Chinese as part of the curriculum. Wow, that's good. Because I remember in my high school, you could learn, uh, you could learn like different foreign languages. So I picked up French for some reason. <laughs> like there was like Spanish, but I was like, nah, I don't want to just Spanish, let me just speak French. Totally useless language right now. <laughs> but 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 now it was like now it's like you could French was always good for picking up chicks, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ladies, but, but, the but, ladies but, always love French. Nah, nah, but now it's like uh, but now they have so many different languages in my high school. You can learn Japanese, Chinese, Tagalog. I think it was two weeks ago. The prime minister came on and uh, addressed the country. And, and in Singapore, we have a prime minister, we have a president. Mm -hmm. The president is kind of like a token president, really doesn't have any power. Uh, so the power really uh, relays on the prime minister. And the prime minister is the, is the son of the founder of Singapore. And the, the, the founder passed away about four years ago or something like that. And he was I remember seeing really that. Put Sing yeah, yeah. But the, so, so right now his, his son is the prime minister. And um, so he had to go address the nation and say about, okay, everything about uh, COVID-19 impact. And what was so amazing though, is that, okay, so he, he, he did the speech in three, diff in three different languages. Wow. And the thing, and, and the thing, and, and like, like, like first, like his first, his first, uh, his first, when first started addressing the nation, it was all in English. Then he gets his water bottle, drinks the water bottle. Then all fluent in Malay. Everyone's like, whoa. He's so good in Malay. He did not know that he would speak that well in Malay. Just straight just up like, code switched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight up. Wow. Just took a swig, just, just started doing that. We're like, whoa. Everyone, like the whole country was like, whoa, what, what are you drinking? What is he drinking? <laughs> <laughs> what is this water bottle that he's drinking? <laughs> and then like everyone knew that he could speak fluent in Chinese, but Malay was just like, wow. So it's like, it's, it, it really, it, it's really a testament to how, uh, how, how, how Singapore is. It's like, 
That but, to me though, I mean, that, that shit never gets old. When you watch somebody switch from one language to another almost effortlessly, like that to me is just sorcery of the best kind. Yeah, yeah but it was funny because that was two speeches ago. In the last speech, it was for May Day because we just had our label day May 1st, just yesterday. And that's, you know, our Labor Day and we don't have any work or anything. So he wanted to go address the country again. So he, he came up on bed, got on stage, and started addressing it. And then right when he took his uh, took a sip of water, like, oh, he's going to switch languages now. He's like, no, he's still speaking in English. Okay, <laughs> what is he going to switch languages? What is he going to switch languages? <laughs> so it's quite entertaining. It's quite entertaining. But it's, 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 it's a good country to live in. I have no problems about it at all. It's just uh, just that 17-hour flight back to the States is the, is the difficult part, Ooh. especially when you have a toddler. A toddler, a toddler. Next time we're flying over, it definitely needs to be in business class because just being able to get that guy to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done international flight, but I have done the five-hour coast-to-coast flight. And unless you have some kind of electronics or drugs or X. Five hours is easy. Five hours is nothing. I, I'm not. I'm not comparing yeah. myself whatsoever to what you're dealing with. I have been on trans-Pacific flights to Tokyo, where I bounced through San Francisco, and I have seen people with kids in the bulkhead with those little bassinets that they kind of bolt into the yeah. into the yeah. wall. And I look at them, and I look at it. I looked at this couple one time, and they they probably pinged the kid every two or three minutes. Like they lean forward and check on the kid, and that's like seventeen. You know. It's a 12 hour flight with the jet stream of just leaning over. And it's like, you gotta be doing a serious core workout. Just just that's, that's easy, that's easy. If they're, if they're quiet, that's good. Let them be quiet. <laughs> if they're not quiet, you try to figure out how to get them to be quiet. <laughs> it's ironic how the switch of parenting switches after, you know, from one to two to the rest of the years. It's like, why? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We took a, we took the flight on the, uh, because there's the world's longest flight is from Singapore to Newark, New Jersey. And the flight is just all business class or premium economy. It's about a 17, no, no, it's uh, 17, 18, 18 hour flight. So it's only about like two hours longer from the flight than the flight from, from Singapore to the SF. And we took the same, we, we took the same, uh, the same airplane. And the funny thing is, is that in premium economy, everyone has noise reducing headsets. It's not yes. fully noise canceling, but noise reducing. Doesn't matter. My son still had an epic meltdown where people could still hear through the noise canceling and noise reducing a headset. And that was after 10 hours into the flight. It was Whoa. 10 hours into the flight, a 30 minute meltdown. It was like, oh my God, how, 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 how? 30 minute meltdown above Hawaii. That's after 10 hours above Hawaii. And then, uh, I'm sorry, man, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is too is that it, it, it came to a point that the that the stewardesses automatically knew to just bring me wine whenever I just raised my hand. <laughs> That's nice. That's customer service at its highest point. That is, that is, that is, that is. Somebody that just is know. Awesome. Yeah, but the thing is too, it's that you know, talk about trying to find a work life balance or a work family balance is when you're on a flight, you're like, Okay, he's finally asleep. You're kinda of tired, but you kinda of want some me time. So you don't want to go sleep because you want to enjoy some me time. But then when you're like, you're like, man, I really wish I would have had some me time there. <laughs> so they're like looking at the clock, like how many more, how many more hours, how many more hours, how many more hours. Oh. Yeah. It's funny talking to people that don't have kids or their wife is pregnant and they say, yeah, you know, when the kid's asleep, I'll really get some work done. It's like, no, man, 
when they sleep, you sleep. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you don't sleep. Yeah, uh, I yeah, think I the guys in the military seem to get it because the military guys know that you sleep whenever you get it. Like if you get three minutes, you take it. Yeah. But yeah. other other people that don't have the blessing of children, I think they they miss out on all that. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I mean, with with the, I mean, that's the one good thing that I like about having a son. It's like it's kind of forced nap times, especially on the weekend. When I'm off work, I'm like, okay, let's go play, 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 play. And after that, okay, we get a three-hour nap. And then I get off all sleep with my son. And then my wife gets her little me time and stuff. So it's quite nice. But I do but, but I do feel for her, especially during the weekdays, because then when I'm working, she's kind of like taking care of the son. Yeah. And then like right now she, she she works sales. So so she could try to meet up with like some of her clients on uh, on Zoom. But then yeah. uh, but, but, but she, she still has a recurring revenue stream. So it's... It's perfectly fine like that way. All right, man. As we're as we're rounding third, this was awesome. Um, really, really good to catch up yeah. with you, man. It's been too long. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, last thing I want to talk about sure. is National Night <laughs> because this shit still fascinates me. That was 2012. First now, of all, I, I, well, that's what I want to know. Is it? Are you still doing it, or was that a one-time thing? I think that was. I think that was a while ago, but okay, they do. They do uh, give um, they do give baby bonuses. The government will like okay. will like give like uh, will give monetary compensation if you if you have babies and stuff. So they I, I forgot how much. I think it's six thousand, and then they'll they'll match some funds that go into this account. Um, so there is definitely a push to still. I mean, Singapore is a small country. It's only the six six million, but they're great. You know, four million. So they definitely want it increase the population um but i don't know if it's <laughs> also too national national okay singapore is unbelievable both right satisfied national night i don't think that's the case anymore i believe japan has really low birth rates yes because yeah. they're so working japan too has much. something similar same, same, to this J japan same thing same thing korea same thing with korea too yep yeah, I mean, they, they find a very nice way to say it. Like, I, I stumbled upon a Russian version of this that was like, go home and fuck. I was like, wow, okay. That's like a government communique that's almost yeah. as literally that, that direct. Uh, uh, now, I'm a, I'm a fan of demographics. I, I believe in demographics as a study. I think it's a good economic indicator, and it's a good predictor of success. There are... Yeah some theories that I talk about with General Tizzo around the idea of at a certain point in life, you spend money. So you yeah. spend money when you buy a big purchase like an appliance or a car. You spend money when you buy a house. You spend money when your kids go off to college. You spend money at certain points in your life. And so one good way to understand how an economy is going to work is you judge the amount of people at a certain age or at a certain time in their life and they're going to spend. Like there's no two ways about it. What yeah. I what I loved about some of the some of the stuff we saw when we were younger is all oh, the millennials. You know, they're they're completely different. They do things different. The millennials are this, the millennials are that. I'm like, no, man, they're in their twenties. Like they want to go out and get drunk, they want to get laid, they want to work twenty hours a day, they want to make as much money as possible. They're moving away from their parents, they're moving into the cities, they're they're going where the opportunities are. It has nothing to do with their generation or any of that stuff. Like I'm, I'm still a firm believer that everybody's going to turn 70 and we're all going to say, get off my lawn. 
It doesn't matter what year you were born. That's just the stage in your life. I want to I want to have a lawn to tell people to get off of by the time I'm 70. <laughs> that's exactly what life I'm talking goals. about. I, I think goals, that's a goals. personal Yeah, I think that's a personal life journey that everybody takes. So the concept of a uh, a generation as being somehow unique. I, I never I never bought that. What I do buy is I buy this because for every two kids that you have, you're sustaining a birth rate because you have two parents. Two parents produce two kids. Uh, sure. That's two more humans after your two humans leave. So we're working on the second one. We're single, working on the second one. <laughs> oh, good for you, buddy. Yeah, might as well. You're, as well. you're going to maintain the birth rate. Somebody that has three kids, four kids, five kids, they're increasing the population, but they're also increasing economic activity. So if you look at a place that has a positive birth rate like India or Africa or um, Indonesia, you're looking at these places with these high birth rates. So you can guarantee that when you go back to the beginning of that birth rate boom, 18 years from that day, you're going to start to see economic activity because once these kids get out on their own, they have to eat. They have to have a job. They have to do something with themselves, which is not going to involve sitting around doing nothing. They're going to go out and they're going to enjoy themselves. They're going to travel. They're going to spend money. So I loved this as a forward thinking idea of let's get more people into our economy because more people ultimately spend But, you know, you know, with with Singapore and not Singapore, but Korea and Japan, I mean, just the work ethic is is a little bit crazy. It's like they don't have any time to make babies, let alone they want to start a family and stuff. They're just so uh, there's a Japanese word uh, that they made just for people who end up committing suicide because of overworked. Yeah. 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 Yeah, There is a word. There's a forest outside of Tokyo that they go to to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting into the economy, but then they're forgetting about, you know, there's so much more to life than just work. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing fact. I mean, I mean, to think about it too, it's like talking about my journey in Singapore. It's like at first, at first, when I first came here, I'm like, okay, let me get plugged into the, let me get plugged into the system. Okay. I like all the vibe. I love the energy. But now it's kind of like, now that I have a family, now I'm kind of more pushing back saying that, okay, I'm, I'm, I understand my worth, I understand my value, I understand my value to add. But at the same time too, I do need to know that there's a hard cutoff. There is, there needs to be time to, for me and my family. You know, that's, that's, that's where I think is a significant step for me. It's like, okay, instead of just trying to prove my worth, it's like, okay, I, I don't need to validate myself anymore. I know what I bring to the table. Now it's kind of like, okay, if you guys really value me, then you'll understand I need to do what I need to do for my family. Yep, 100%. And, and a business should understand that that's stability in an employee. If you have a kid, you have needs, and you're less likely to take off at the next opportunity. Yes, yes. But, but, but the one thing is, too, that I'm a little bit scared about getting a second one is that I know that one plus one is not equal to. <laughs> one plus one is equal to three. You need, like, some zone defense for that, for, for that additional one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Plan on a helper because we have two, and when they divide and conquer, they'll take us both out. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's already a handful with just one, and that's what I'm really like. That's where I kind of like. uh, I'm glad that my wife is uh, taking for this challenge with not having a helper. But once, (laughs) once, 
once once I do end up getting back into the office, we're definitely gonna get another. We're gonna, definitely gonna get a helper again. But it's hit and miss. Sometimes I have good ones, sometimes I have bad ones. All right, brother. It's getting late for me, and I know you got stuff to do. So I really yeah, appreciate definitely. this, and it was great catching up with you. Oh, it's great catching up with you too. Take care, guys. All right. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>